Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the Just Capital seal. Bank of America is ranked number one for ongoing commitment to their workers with initiatives like Sharing Success, which awarded 97% of their teammates additional compensation, nearly all in stock. This is the program's seventh consecutive year, awarding more than $4.8 billion in total. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. We've made it to hour number four of Sports Talk. I'm John Wilkerson with Jimmy Himes. We'll remind you, Vol Calls comes your way at 8 o'clock tonight. That'll be from Calhoun's On the River. Look forward to uh, Bob Kessling and Chris Lowe teaming up for the broadcast tonight. They'll be joined on site by Tennessee basketball coaches Rick Barnes and Kelly Harbour. Ron Slay is also going to join the program to uh, talk about all things related to hoops. So Vol Calls tonight from 8 until 9. You can hear it here on The Sports Animal or, of course, go down to Calhoun's on the River and watch it live. All right, time for our Sports Fix at 6. We're going to give away a complimentary oil and filter change and a tire rotation and a washing vacuum service from Ted Russell Nissan. Ted Russell Nissan is located at 8565 Kingston Pike. You can check out their current inventory at tedrusselnissan.com. A free oil and filter change, tire rotation, and washing vacuum service from Ted Russell Nissan if you can answer this trivia question. With Jim Beheim retiring as the men's basketball coach at Syracuse, who is now the winningest active Division I men's basketball coach? Who is right now active, the winningest Division I men's basketball coach? 865-656-9900. That's 865-656-9900. Let's start with Jeff. You're on Sports Talk. Hello, Jeff. Hey, guys. Hi. First name that comes to mind is Tom Izzo. It is not Izzo. It's a good guess because he's won a lot, but it's not Izzo. Thank you. being first. That's, yeah. that's true, Jeff. We always appreciate it. Thank you so much. It's Devin who joins us next. Hello, Devin. Hey, how's it going, guys? Doing well. Hope you are. Yeah, doing pretty good. So, I got two names in mind, but I'm going to go with the one I think. Uh, let's go with Bob Huggins. Well, I don't know who your other one was, but I'm glad you went with the one that you think because it is Bob Huggins. 934 wins. Bob Huggins is now the winningest active coach in Division One men's basketball. Hey, Devin, congratulations. You have won a complimentary oil and filter change, a tire rotation, a washing vacuum service from Ted Russell Nissan. We're going to put you on hold and get that prize to you. Good job. Thank you. All right. Outstanding work. And, uh, and that takes care of the sports fix at 6. And it's going to be something. It was interesting to see that updated top five. And, well, it's coaches that Tennessee's been pretty familiar with, including one on their bench. Uh, yes, uh, because Coach Barnes is there. John Calipari's got to yes. be there as well. So uh, is Bruce Pearl there? Not, I don't think so yet. Okay, I knew he had a lot of wins at Southern Indiana, so I wasn't sure where he ranked in that uh, in that total. But let me double check yeah. on, on that. But, but uh, yeah, uh, I tell you what, let's go ahead and hear from um, uh, Rick Barnes. Uh, this is after Tennessee lost to Missouri in the SEC men's basketball tournament in Nashville. It was a tough loss, but here opening comments. From the Vols head coach, Rick Barnes. Hard-fought game both ways. I thought both teams really put a lot of effort and uh, energy into it. Uh, they played a terrific second half, shot the ball well. They really hit some big shots at the right time. 
Um, I think our guys, um, again, we're still learning how to play without Zakai, and I, I thought that showed up in the fact that they had a couple of runouts where we didn't have the floor balance, where the guys that are learning how guys are playing the point where we've got to get back, but give them credit, and uh, I'm really proud of the effort our guys put into this game. I thought they all fought hard to get ready to play, but uh, again, Missouri made some really key buckets at the right time, and we needed to get a couple stops there at the end, and um, we didn't finish the play. You know, we gave up a dribble penetration layup, and at the end, when they nine seconds, that was a tough play because we were in a situation where we were scrambling, and the uh, ball came off, and they were able to get that one back. But uh, really proud of the effort of our guys. I, I, again, and I'm proud of the fact that they're learning. I think these last three games are going to help us going forward. During the press conference, Olivier Comois was asked the concerns about late-game shot selection. I think it starts with knowing our shot selection and, and, you know, on offensive end, taking care of the ball, executing what we need to do, especially coming out of timeouts, playing together. And then on defense, you know, we play with a very high intensity and we, we attack other teams, but sometimes we can get a little over-aggressive at times and overrun plays, so we need to find a way to stay under control while keeping that same intensity. That's Olivier Comwa. Now let's hear from Jemai Meshack. Uh, he was asked uh, the difference in Tennessee's defense against Missouri in the first half versus the second half. I think we knew going into the, uh, to the game period they were going to make shots. Um, you know, this team, you, you can only go by off of what they played against us the first time. So we were ready to, and we were prepared for that. So, um, but I think, you know, all in all, we, we just had to close out the game a little bit better on the defensive end. You know, we, we gave up, like I said, too many drives. If they hit threes, they're going to hit threes, you know, but we can't give up those drive layups. Um, and, and we got to finish the game with, with a rebound. So. Um, I think we were prepared. I know our coaches did a great job with scouting them, and they, they gave us the, the, the keys, but we just have to finish the game as players, and we got to grow from it. So that is Jemai Meshack after Tennessee's defeat. Now, the Vols 5-7 and seven in their last 12 games. Uh, but, John, I want to ask you about this. You got Georgia side James talking about how uh, he felt when he met with the media today that Tennessee has been disrespected that people have been doubting them all year, so they're going to play with a chip on their shoulder. Um, I, I'm not sure if I see the same perspective as a player would. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much about the doubting all year, but I think I think there's been more doubting recently because of the injury to Zakai Ziegler and because of the team's inconsistency. How do you see that? Yeah, I would agree uh, because at one point you saw Tennessee actually pick up two first-place votes after it had gone one and one in a week uh, when it was in the coaches poll. I mean, still is obviously, but I mean, when it was in that top five in the coaches poll, they had actually picked up, they didn't get them one week, but they went one and one and picked up two first place votes the next week. So I do think that there, Tennessee is a team that there is a lot of appreciation and high regard for the talent they have on the roster, but it is, I think it's fair to wonder because you did have one 0-2 week. You also had, a, 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 I think, every other week has been 1-1. One one. The only time you've strung back-to-back wins together was South Carolina and Arkansas uh, over the last few weeks. And that was technically different weeks. So it was the Saturday game of one week, and it was the Tuesday game to start the next. So I, I think it's fair because Tennessee just hasn't been able to be consistent. And that's something that Coach Barnes has pointed to and said yeah. – you. 
you can't help but wonder. And some think that because they played so strong defensively in the first half of the season as to whether or not that took some of the fuel out of the tank in some key stretches in the second half of the season. But I think it's been more what they those stretches that still seem to plague them from time to time where they just can't put the ball in the basket. I think that's been the biggest stumbling block for this team. It was interesting that Joe Lenardi yesterday updated his bracket. He had Tennessee on the three line. He has him, he had him as a third seat. That surprised me because I do think, and the committee acknowledged this, that they do take into account injuries. So you've got – I think that's one reason in part – that Alabama moved ahead of Kansas. Kansas has a guy named McCullers who was hurt. Also, think about this. Kansas lost the conference tournament championship game by one-sided margin to Texas. Houston lost without Marcus Sasser mm-hmm. by 10 points to Memphis. So I think those conference tournaments, I, I think they do matter to some degree. didn't knock them off the one line, but I think it knocked one of them potentially off being the number one overall seed. And I think Alabama, by winning the SEC tournament, it moved up to the number one seed overall. I think that's what happened in that situation. But getting saying all that, I do think that Ziegler's injury uh, led the committee to put felt more comfortable putting Tennessee on the four line than the three line. As far as the, uh, in the active coaches right now in terms of win victory leaders, Bob Huggins is number one. Rick Pitino is number two. John Calipari, three. And then... Cliff Ellis makes yeah. the list from Coastal Carolina and Bill Self. Rick Barnes, I believe, is sixth now on that list if you go active winners. Uh, Bob Huggins was asked about his status on becoming the active leader in head coaching wins after Bayheim retired. I don't know. Means I'm old, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like Huggins. Yeah. 100% that's yep. Bob Huggins. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get a break. Sports Talk continues on 99.1, the sports animal. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Title Transference aired October 27, 2004. Director James Marshall, writers Todd Slavkin, Darren Swimmer. I really like this episode, and I'm surprised that you don't like it as much as you thought you did. I actually respect your opinion more than I respect my own in general. (laughs) (laughs) When you say things are good and I check them out, they are. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. What companies deserve your hard-earned dollar? Which would you want to work for? How can you know if they share your values? Just ask us. Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks who really means business in supporting workers, customers, communities, the environment, and shareholders. We measure progress, track success, and help them be better. When you see the Just Capital seal, you know what's real, because just business is better business. Visit justcapital.com to learn who makes your dollar count. Sports Talk continues. I'm John Wilkerson with Jimmy Hyams. Let's hear now from Rick Barnes. This is postgame. This is from Nashville after Tennessee fell to Missouri by uh, 79-70. Coach Barnes uh, met with the media to talk about the defeat. Here comments from Coach Barnes. You know, I, I don't know what happened at the start of the game. I wasn't really happy the way we started the game. I don't know what that was about. But uh, but after that, we settled down and, and uh, we uh, – Again, I know we can guard. I mean, we. I mean, they're, they they made some shots today. You got to give them credit for that. And uh, but the fact is, we again three games without Zakai. Obviously, the one we played at home, it was a really good win for us. But uh, or is it four games now? I, I can't remember what it is. But anyway, 
uh, we're going to be fine. I mean, the biggest prize that we want to went after, that we want to go after, is still out there. And Jemai mentioned it. Uh, this team's been very resilient. I don't know if I've, I've told you guys, I don't know if I've been through in all my years in coaching what we've gone through and with the injuries this year, right, when you think you're getting it all back and it doesn't happen. And But these guys have never um, – great attitudes, great work ethic. And, uh, uh, again, I'm uh, – as a coach, I, I couldn't ask for any more from these guys because they, they really do want to win. And, and – uh, Again, we got a chance. I, I, I'm telling you, I think we got as much a chance as anybody. If you ask me what the what I'm thinking of right now, one word it would be: this team's been very resilient. And there's a lot of teams that like to be where we are right now. I think there's a lot of teams that won't look forward to a match up with us. But uh, we're going to learn from uh, this game, and as we uh, did the last couple, and we'll we'll be ready next week. Down the stretch, Rick, Josiah comes off. Is that sort of he's having a tough offensive day, so you decide even though his defense may have helped you down the stretch, is that basically what the decision came down to, not playing him down the stretch? Yeah, well, yeah, we, we felt like coming down the stretch and the fact that, you know, we've, you know Tyreek was shooting the ball well too. We felt like we had to get make sure we kept offense on the court. And, uh, uh, again, we, we, we really, to be quite honest, you know, we think we can, with our length now, that we can guard some of it. But... We gave up a, a drive out of a side ball screen. It, that was a tough play right there. But uh, again, uh, when we just felt like t because Tyreek had been shooting the ball well, we felt like we had to get him back out there. Rick, are you concerned at all with the team's confidence no. down the stretch in those close? Just down the stretch in those close no, games. I, I think they'll learn from it. I mean, again, they they stepped back and made a couple threes. But uh, I, I, mean, I could go down. I mean, Olivier had an. I mean, he had a great look at a three. Uh, and again, Olivier can shoot the ball. I mean, that that shot goes in. But the, it, again, it's the, the the little small plays that add up. That uh, again, that we've got to eliminate. You know, teams can make some threes, but you can't give up the little ones at the rim. You, you can't give up dribble penetration. The last one on the offensive rebound that was a, a, a broken scramble situation. I'm not sure exactly what happened. I don't know if two guys went at it uh, right there to get to the ball. I'm not sure, but. Uh, I mean, it's a really fine line, but you know, I don't. Again, I think our guys are confident. I really do. I mean, I can only tell you, I've been around them. I, I know their body languages, and it was not a lack of confidence. What have you learned about your team in the four games without Sakai? Well, again, that's we're still searching for that because, again, we've played however many games we played this year. Maybe the last four minutes, five minutes of the game, that's where he was. You know, that's, we played through him most of the time. You know, we did a lot ball screen situations late in the game with him, uh, different things. We, we're not doing that as much right now. So uh, that's where we probably miss him the most. But uh, we're not going to use that as an excuse in any of these games. But uh, if you ask me, that's the last four minutes of the game is where I thought as a coach and our staff that that's where we would probably find out that we're going to have to figure out what we're going to do through there. And again, we've gotten better with it. but. I still go back, you know, we had three bad offensive plays at Auburn. Then uh, today it was uh, we had a couple defensive plays that uh, we've got to clean up. And, and we certainly played well enough today offensively to win the game. I mean, there's no question about that. And they shot the ball again. You, you got to give them credit for that. But we gave them too much in certain situations that we can't give up. Coach, just the, the front court, the front court scoring, I mean, or the lack of it. Just how how damaging was that today? We just don't get anything in the post outside of Olivier. 
Well, that, again, we talk about it all year. That's where we've been inconsistent, and that's where we got to be. Uh, we got to be consistent there. You know, we we need it, but it also defensively, it's just consistency. And uh, often when it that when that's happening, it puts a lot of pressure on the per, our perimeter guys. And they 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 did a great job today. I mean, it, it's amazing how people go after Santi, and he just continues to do what he does night in and night out. But uh, we knew going into this year that would be the biggest area with, with our team. With can our post guys consistently that we know what we're going to get night in and night out. And uh, that's where we, again, if we could ever get them all playing at the level that we know they're capable of, that's when we could become a very dangerous team. So those are comments from Rick Barnes. Uh, by the way, he addressed today the slow start against Missouri with the turnovers. He says, well, not all of those were turnovers. They were fouls. They just weren't called. So we didn't handle the ball that well, but there were some fouls that would have been that would not have been turnovers. So that was from Rick Barnes. Uh, let's hear now a post game from uh, Justin Ganey, assistant coach. Had a chance to catch up with him and talk to him a little bit, bit about uh, the team and about how difficult Missouri is to guard. Here are comments from Justin Ganey. You know, with this team, without Zakai, um, you know, we're shaping another part of our identity, you know, and, and – um, you know, again, we're the best defensive team in the country. We always want to be that. And just so, you know, adjusting uh, without Z and, you know, guys being in different roles, uh, the ball in different areas of floor, um, you know, it's, it's, it's going to take, it's going to take, you know, reps to, to continue to get comfortable with it. And I thought you know, these past two games, you know, we took steps in, in, in that area. Um, and so, you know, defensively, Again, um, you know, we, we, we were, I thought we, we were good in the first half and, you know, the second half, um, you know, they, 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 they got really high. Missouri was one of 11 on threes to start the game. What, what changed after that? Um, you know, from, from our standpoint, you know, from a, um, a, 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 you know, a structural standpoint or, or uh, from a scheme standpoint, nothing changed for us. Um, you know, we, we still had the, um, you know, emphasis on their shooters and thought they made some, you know, they made some, some tough ones. You know, they made some tough ones. And, um, you know, we, we would air on catches. Uh, we would air with high hands. Um, you know, hit one in transition, which was a huge one. Um, you know, a couple skip passes where they were not, you know, they made some. But I, I just thought, I mean, I mean, kudos to them. I mean, they played well. They shot the ball well in the second half. Is Missouri one of the best offensive teams you've faced? Um, man, I mean, they're, they're, they're good. You know, they're good. And in both uh, matchups with us, um, you know, they, they do present some matchup problems. You know, you got a guy like Brown who can play inside out uh, so efficiently. Um, and then you get a guy like Hodge who, you know, is, plays freely and, and quick release, you know, makes them, um, you know, tough, tough to, you know, tough, tough to cover. Um, you know, their, their style of play is unique. You know, it's, it's free flowing, it's fast, it's um, it's a lot of threes, and so um, they're good. I mean, Coach Gates, you know, does a good job, and, and um, you know, they're well coached, and I mean, they're, they're a good offensive team. They really are. Is Kobe Brown the guy that makes them go? Do you think they've got a lot of other weapons besides him? Um, man, I, I mean, I, I think you know, they have other weapons. I mean, I, like I thought, um, I thought Goldston you know, kind of held them together when those two guys were out, you know, doing that little stretch, and he was able to 
Um, he scored four points on us, um, you know, kind of in some ISO situations that um, kind of helped, you know, help propel him, help keep him going in and let those two guys get, you know, get a blow. Um, but, yeah, they, they have a lot of offensive weapons um, and good offensive team. Do you feel like it, it hurts you a lot when Santi had to go out with foul trouble in the first half and James? Um, you know what? I don't. I, I thought our guys stepped up. I, I thought the guys that came in the game, I mean, Jemai Meshack, um, played well. Tyreek Key played well off the bench. Um, I thought Julian gave us a, a, a burst off the bench. And so, you know, yeah, obviously we would have loved to have those guys still in the game. Um, <clears throat> but at the pace it was going, you know, it was already our mindset to um, be smart about, you know, rotations and minutes and, and you know, and, and having those guys ready for the second half. And, um, you know, we went into the half up three. And, and so... Uh, maybe, yeah, an Amazhak shot, and so um, yeah, obviously we'd love to have him in, but I don't think that decided the game. You know, comments from Tennessee assistant Justin Gainey. We'll get a break and be back with more. That's Jimmy Himes of John Wilkerson. Sports talk continues on ninety nine one, the Sports Animal. Sports Talk continues with Jimmy Himes. I'm John Wilkerson. Back to the phones we go. It's Alan who joins us next. Hello, Alan. Hey, John. Jimmy, how are you guys? Good, Alan. I hope you are. Doing well. Jimmy, what, what what's the countdown? I can't remember. It's the end of March or some other date. Uh, March 31st. March 31st. Um, have we found out the poor soul that has to try and replace you? Uh, we have, and he's not all that poor. <laughs> oh, yeah, big announcement coming I, in the morning. Uh, announcement tomorrow. Stay tuned. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, hey, feel free to text me so I so I can scoop it. You know. Um, <laughs> Eight fifteen in the morning is um, when the announcement will arrive. All right. Well, all right. I'm excited for that, and and proud of you, Jimmy, and happy for you. Um, Thanks. I, I just wanted to comment on our draw in the men's tournament. I love it. Um, I mean, the first game, you're going to play somebody that's good enough to beat you, but you ought to beat. So that, you know, you're going to get one of those games anyway. But this team has proven they can beat anybody and pretty much lose to anybody, or at least anybody good enough to make the tournament. So regardless of who we play, I think it was going to be 50-50 after the first round. So I'd rather play a team like Duke that has a name. If if you beat them, it's impressive. If you lose to them, it's you know not that not that bad. Um, I give us about a forty five percent chance of making the Sweet Sixteen, and then we probably get Purdue. And I I can't remember Purdue's tall guy's name, but to see Zach him Eady. and Euros, yeah, to see him and Euros go at it, that'll be fun. That'll be. Um, and I, I'd, I'd put my money on Euros. Um, well, it's a, it's a game in well, which what, they will need 15 fouls each. <laughs> well, I figured, you know, as long as Euros can keep his cool and just go in there and spend his five fouls before we need him to shoot a free throw, um, you know, and uh, that, that, that'll be an exciting game if we, if we get to it. Um, so, anyway, I, I was really pleased with the draw. I, I think it's got some – exciting uh matchup what what what's your what's your guys analysis been as far as you what you think we might have could accomplish i don't like duke in the second round i think they're playing so well as was mentioned uh when they've had all of their 
players healthy, they're 17 and 1. I, I think they're really good right now. Now, I'll say this we have seen a lot of teams take momentum into the NCAA tournament and it didn't carry over. Tennessee did it last year. So we, we've seen that. You never know. Uh, but I, I just think Duke is playing so well. And the thing that bothers me a little bit about that matchup against Duke is uh, Roach, their point guard's really good. And I, I didn't think Ole Miss had a point guard good enough to take advantage of Tennessee. And other teams don't have a point guard quite that good. But I think if you do have an outstanding point guard, that even emphasizes more not having Zakai Ziegler. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Well, I guess we'll find out. Um, I, I guess now I'm going to have to – well, I was already going to be up at 5.30, but I'll have to make sure I'm listening to the radio at 6.15 <laughs> in the morning. 8.15. 8.15? Yes. I can sleep in? Yes. Yeah. You have our permission. Take the day if you want. No. All right. Take care, guys. <laughs> All right. Always appreciate it, Alan. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I tell you, let's go in here from uh, Lady Vols. Uh, the Lady Vols find out last night they're four seed. They're excited about that. They get get to host the first two rounds if they can win the first game, which they should against St. Louis. But uh, Jordan Horston uh, met with the media last night. Here comments from Tennessee's All SEC wing player. Jordan Horston, you get to start at home. That was quite a reaction from the team. Just talk about that reaction. Um, I mean, honestly, it was a reaction because we didn't know what it was going to be. So, you know, I'm thankful that we're playing at home in front of our fans again. And it's worry about first team that's in front of us. And you know that St. Louis, I assume you'll start finding out a lot about them tomorrow. Definitely. We're going to be on it. We're going to be on it. I have faith in my coaches, and you know, I have faith in the process, and I'm just ready to put in all the work that I need to do. I'm ready to be in Texas. got to capitalize on this moment. You said that there was no doubt that you guys were going to be able to get no that doubt. first seed. Can you kind of dive <laughs> a little bit deeper into that with why you were I so mean, confident? I just had confidence in the strength of our schedule. Uh, we played one of the toughest schedules that anybody played. And I feel like we've proven ourselves a lot and we still have a lot to prove. So, um, why not us? No. Jordan, there's some rematches in there for you guys. Obviously, Virginia Tech, Ohio State, UConn. Yeah. How excited are you to get the chance at playing those teams again after our team loss in the season? I'm definitely excited about those games. Like I said, got to worry about what's in front of me, but having a rematch is always, it's always fun. You know, you're going to you get your win back. So it's going to be interesting to see how it turns out. Jordan, as a senior, you went through senior day. Of course, how excited are you that you do have another game at home. That wasn't oh, was the last game. It was amazing. I had a feeling that that wasn't going to be my last, my last home game. But, um, like I said, we get to play in front of our best fans in the country. It's a home game. We're used to the rims. We're used to the environment. So, um, like I said, we got to use that advantage to you know, capitalize on it. Jordan Horston, Tennessee um, player. Now, it's interesting that Horston talked about going through senior day and then getting to play uh, more games at Thompson Bowling Arena. 
Rakia Jackson earlier today announced that she's returning to Tennessee. Now, could that could Horston change her mind? She could. But uh, we got Tamari Key, who also is going to come back from the blood clots next year. You put Key, provided she's the player that she was, and Jackson on that team for next year. Boy, does that change the complexion. So Lady Vols certainly excited about that and excited about the news of being able to host. Uh, just a couple of other notes out there I want to mention. So uh, we talked about um, uh, Ole Miss hiring Chris Beard. Well, Georgia Tech, which fired Josh Pastner, has hired a former NBA player, Damon Stoudemire. Huh. So they've assigned him to a five-year contract. Uh, he was in the NBA as an assistant. Previous to that, he was a head coach of Pacific. A couple of uh, interesting notes about the NCAA tournament coming up. A couple of former Vols are integral parts of the teams that have made it. D.J. Burns playing very well at North Carolina State. And Drew Pember, the product of Bearden High School, transferred to UNC Asheville, uh, the player of the year and the defensive player of the year in his conference. He is also in the NCAA tournament, so uh, congratulations to him. And then Carolina has signed VFL Shy Tuttle. Uh, played well with the Saints. I hate to see him leave. I thought he was a really nice player for New Orleans. He's going to Carolina. I'm sure he's going to be making more money there. And then Sam Darnold has signed a one-year deal with San Francisco uh, after the Raiders signed Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, I don't know what's going to shake out, and I know they're counting on Trey Lance and maybe there's Brock Purdy. I would take Jimmy Garoppolo over Sam Darnold. What about you? Um, yeah, I think I would. Definitely so. It's really strange because Purdy's not supposed they, – they think it's going to be – Fine line between being ready for camp, depending on how everything goes with his rehab with the elbow surgery. And then Lance, of course, is who they certainly invested a lot in to get. And he just wasn't that impressive in the preseason last year. Now, granted, he had simply a handful of appearances prior to that, so it's not really fair to hold that against him. It just didn't seem like he had won the team over in terms of confidence amongst his teammates like Purdy did correct in the in the in the preseason so um my guess is they would love for Lance to just simply nail down the job and make mm-hmm. it his but looks like that's a pretty significant backup plan yeah uh, another note Patrick Peterson a really good cornerback uh, he's bounced around a little bit he was with Minnesota he is now signed with the Steelers so Steve Hamer's happy about that very much so. I think. How could you not be? <laughs> <laughs> we'll get a break and be back with a final segment to today's edition of Sports Talk as you listen to 99.1 The Sports Animal. Are you ready for hard-hitting observations? Reality remains reality no matter how hard you try to ignore it. The Ben Shapiro Show brings you all the news you need to know in America today. Again, I'm all here for the pop culture, people dating each other for the press. Ben breaks down the culture and never gives an inch. Every so often, and by every so often, I mean literally every 27 seconds where the producer gets fired. The Ben Shapiro Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. Final segment to today's edition of Sports Talk. I'm John Wilkerson with Jimmy Hyams. Well, we've had a lot to cover today. We will give you one note before we hear more from uh, an interview, but that is that uh, VFL Cam Sutton, who's done really a nice job with the Pittsburgh Steelers, well, he's headed to Detroit, it looks like. So, yeah. um, I Looks like a three-year deal, more than $30 million. Well, good for him. And I, I'm assuming that's a money issue because he certainly has played well enough at Pittsburgh. So, uh, I really like Cam Sutton, one of my favorite players watching him here. I remember he came in as a three-star and 
I was thinking when we watched him at practice, uh, he looks better than a three-star. Uh, he was. So good for Cam Sutton signing a deal with, uh, with Detroit. All right, let's have a little bit more postgame from Tennessee after losing to Missouri uh, in the SEC tournament in the quarterfinals. Josiah Jordan-James uh, met with the media. and Now, he got a technical during the course of the game, which I didn't quite understand. But anyway, he does explain it. Here's some postgame comments from James. What happened on that player that got called you for a technical? Um, I contested the shot, and then I turned around, and I guess my hand mm-hmm. came down. I did make contact with his face. It was incidental. Um, but, yeah, so they said that uh, since I made contact with his face, uh, they, they had to give me a tech. These two games, what, what can you take from this in terms of maybe things that you guys improved on or things that you can take forward into the into the NCAA? The biggest thing is just taking care of the ball. I feel like um, offensively we just got to get a shot up every time. Uh, so that we're in, able to, you know, offensive rebound and then not let teams get uh, run out fast break points. And then defensively, we just got to, gotta, you know, stay true to who we are and beat Tennessee. In, in the first half, Missouri started one of 11 on threes, and they clicked in the second half. What was the difference? I think we just let them get too comfortable. Um, I don't know. Exactly, but I feel like some of the looks that they missed early on, um, they were too too open, and they got comfortable from it, and they got good looks. They just didn't go down, and then the second half, we just didn't amp up the aggressiveness that that we how we needed to. Were there defensive lapses, or just them hitting really good shots? Both, both. How much of the turnovers is y'all missing Zakai, or just simple fixable things? I think it's very fixable. I mean, definitely. Uh, we obviously miss Zakai and what he con- contributed on the offensive end with just, you know, being able to give him the ball and knowing that something good would come from it. Um, but, you know, people are going to have to step up, take care of the ball, um, and handle the ball. And I-, I have full confidence in myself and my teammates that we're able to do that. We just got to learn from it. you expect whoever you play to pressure? I-, I-, I can't tell you. I mean, probably. But yeah, it is what it is. How much did it hurt that you sat out a lot in the first half and so did Santi in foul trouble? Um, I mean, I don't think it hurt too much. We were up three going into the half. Uh, our mentality, it doesn't matter who's on the floor, who's not on the floor. We're going to go out there and beat Tennessee. And I was I was proud of the way uh, the guys stepped up and responded from the bench. I feel like uh, as soon as we, you know, watch film, get in there with Coach and, and just learn from offensively, defensively, the things we the, where we made mistakes and where we have to be better, I feel like as soon as we do that, we'll, we'll turn our turn the page to whoever we get matched up with, and then on Sunday we'll see who that is. Josiah Jordan James, his comments after Tennessee's defeat to Missouri, Tennessee, uh, getting the the uh, four seed, and then we'll take on uh, as they head to Orlando, Louisiana, Louisiana Lafayette. When I covered them, they were University of Southwestern Louisiana, USL, but. So we'll see how Tennessee fares there. And by the way, Bill Martin from Tennessee is sending out Tennessee is the only team that has had a New Year's Six Bowl game and a men's and women's basketball team in top, as a top four seed in the NCAA tournament. How about that? Nobody else was able to do that. That's pretty – well, that's no company. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> They're right. not keeping good company. <laughs> They're the only one that's there. <laughs> Just takes no, no time whatsoever to call the roll. <laughs> Anyone else? Crickets. <laughs> but uh, it will be something to see exactly how it goes for the Vols moving forward. What's interesting, this is the third time they draw the Raging Cajuns in the NCAA tournament. You know, it's funny. Um, uh, I um, covered one of those games 
uh, when USL played Tennessee. It was in 1981, I believe. It was in Indianapolis. And I remember covering that that particular game. I will say this about uh, Louisiana Lafayette. They have uh, one guy that's played 144 games. Another guy has played 119 games. Another guy has played 86 games. They got a player that transferred from in from Arizona, one that transferred in from St. John's, one that transferred in from Jackson State, one that transferred in from South Carolina State. They got Goodness. a lot of transfers on this roster. Wow. That's something. Again, don't forget, Vol calls tonight. The coaches, the basketball coaches, will be on hand at Calhoun's on the River. Barnes and Harper, Ron Slay, a part of it, too. This is Sports Talk. Hey, everybody. This is Dan Bespris, host of Fantasy NBA Today, a daily fantasy basketball podcast. We cover every box score from every game every day. Plus bonus shows on buy low opportunities, players to stash, schedule analysis, and really anything you could need to smash your league into deliciously tiny pieces. Catch the Fantasy NBA Today podcast, part of the Believe Network, on YouTube or wherever you listen.